is Jennifer. Welcome to the Corporate Flight Attendant Podcast. I was a corporate flight attendant for six years, and I tell you the brutal, honest truth of this industry. Before we start today, please remember, if you like this podcast, please give me a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also check out the show notes for my CFA ebook or to donate. Today we have an interview with a new and successful corporate flight attendant. Javi is a corporate flight attendant and freelance chef based in Dallas, Texas. She completed her undergrad studies and earned her bachelor's of business administration in management from Texas Tech University. She was a personal assistant and senior executive assistant supporting CEOs and C-suite executives in the healthcare space for nearly a decade before moving into private aviation. She fosters her passion for cooking by working closely with private chefs in the Dallas area. Combining her experience as an executive assistant and her love for the culinary arts led her to pursue a career is a corporate flight attendant. Welcome, Javi. Hi, thanks for having me. So let's talk about you. You are a new CFA and a successful CFA. So let's start with why you wanted to become a flight attendant. What were you doing before corporate aviation? And how did you break into the industry? Yeah, so I was looking for a career change. I truly had no idea what I wanted to do. After four years of traveling nonstop with my executive, and then with the pandemic, I was sitting at my desk for 11 hours a day. I just can't do this anymore. And I was like, surely there has to be a way I can find a job that allows me to travel and cook. I didn't know if that actually existed, but you know, I sat in the stillness for a little bit and I actually came across this blog about corporate versus commercial flight attendants. And I was like, oh, what's that? When I opened the, like read the article, I was like, wow, that's literally exactly everything I'm looking for. So I started doing my research and something kind of popped in my head. I was like, you know, I have a friend that does this, I think. I dug through my emails and found an email from her saying like, hey, like, I think you'd be really, really great at this. You know, let me know if you have any questions. So I connected with her and kind of led, followed in her footsteps on how she uh, became a corporate flight attendant. And so what were you doing beforehand? You were doing, you were an EA, so that's an executive assistant. So tell me a little bit about that. You're wearing multiple hats. I was planning national conferences, managing their ever-changing calendars. It's like playing Tetris on how to get you know yeah. 50 meetings in a day <laughs> times four executives, planning board meetings. You're doing you know just a small everyday task like invoicing, expenses, and just a lot of paperwork. And I was really good at it, but I didn't really have a passion for it. And so whenever I was trying to figure, I was like, "There's got to be a job. Obviously, I can utilize these skills." And all those absolutely go hand in hand with being a corporal flight attendant. Yeah, so you had to be very organized and all of that. But also as an EA, I'm just I'm assuming that you also have to anticipate needs a lot. Is that was that a big part of your job? Yeah. So you know, if you know that your executive has this meeting, and he's got a meeting shortly afterwards, you have to be able to get him set up and see like, hey, does he need to eat? Does he need, you know, a break? Do I need to push back a meeting so that he has a chance to to take a breather, really just be able to read people and sing like, hey, how, how can you take care of them so that they can do their jobs better? Did you find in I'm just so curious about being an EA, I have a couple friends who are EAs, and they never tell me much. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just don't. I was just wondering if you're finding now today in this climate that 
being an EA or PA, a personal assistant, are you finding that the executives are more open to a partnership with you instead of, I don't mean financially, I just mean in regard to they see you more as a partner now. Back in the day, you know, you had to pay your dues and they treated people, you know, in my day in the early 2000s, like garbage when you were an EA. Are you finding that that's changing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There was a time I was supporting the head of strategy and we were in M&A. And, you know, during my interview process, he was like, I'm looking for a business partner. Like, I'm not going to treat you as like, oh, go get my coffee. Like he would get his own coffee. And that's what I really respected. Like he wanted me to grow with him. When you trust someone like that, you can trust them to help you make business decisions. And those are decisions that affect the whole company. Okay, that's great. So you at a certain point were definitely on that level and you had that trust and you had that great. Cause that's nice to hear because I, I've heard it's changing and they're looking for more partners. So that's a wonderful thing to hear. So how do you think, I mean, we talked a little bit about the organization. We talked a little bit about anticipating needs, but anything else about an EA that aligns with the skills of a CFA and transitioning to corporate aviation? Yeah, um, you know, you have to have excellent time management. The plane's going to leave without you. So you better be prepared. Same thing with meetings like that meeting is going to happen or, you know, you can't hold up four other executives who flew into town for this meeting if you didn't have him prepared. Attention to detail, making sure that all the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed. And, you know, just even my exit, like everywhere we when I first started traveling with him, I would notice like, how does he order his coffee? How does he like his coffee? What does he like from restaurants? What does he not like? And I would keep a running notes app on my phone. And that way it's like, if someone wanted to pick him up something, like I could just answer it. And I don't have to ask him like, hey, like, what do you want? Like I could just answer on his behalf. Basically, I, I did everything so he didn't have to think. And yeah. so he could just focus on like the, the important matters. Having good decision-making skills. You know, sometimes like you don't have a chance to ask. You, you have to just make decisions on the spot, on the fly that you is going to be the best choice. And really being able to communicate timely and efficiently because- Time's the most important thing that we all have, and we all don't have enough of it. So, that is true. That's why executives like to fly in private jets instead of commercial. They can get back all that time. So, did you fly as a passenger with your executives on private jets before you were a CFA? Uh, yes, a few times. So, you know, living in Dallas, you have a direct flight just about anywhere across the country. So. Yeah. Granted, I was in first class. So once you go from first class to private, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to go back to that. But <laughs> yeah, so you know, there'd be a couple times we'd be in a meeting somewhere and kind of in the middle of nowhere needed to get to another place. And so we would fly private. They were on the smaller planes that didn't have a flight attendant. So I never really thought that was a, an option. Um, I think you just normally only see commercial flight attendants. Once I discovered, I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense to have flight attendants on the bigger heavy jets. Yeah, that makes sense with what you're saying. So you were probably flying on Lear's or maybe even a Challenger or something like a Ch I'm sorry, a Challenger 300, where maybe there's not a flight attendant. So that's interesting. And I like how you said you had an app that you had, and you were keeping track of your executives needs and wants. And, you know, so the person doesn't have to think that so is transition to being a CFA, because, you know, Javi, that Throughout the day, these people are bombarded by 20 million people. They're asked to make 3 billion decisions. And that's why a lot of times they have that Steve Jobs perspective where Steve Jobs couldn't make any more decisions. So he would just put on the same outfit every day. He'd put on that black turtleneck and those pants. And that's what he would do every day because he couldn't be bombarded anymore. So thank you for pointing that out. 
Let's move on to your culinary background. And this is why I'm so excited to talk to you because you are a private chef who cooks on board. So please, let's hear about your culinary background. I had always wanted to be a chef since I was a kid. I've worked in hospitality and restaurants since I was 16. When I was in college, I worked at the university golf course, not just as a cart girl, but we also had to work in the kitchen. So if you were on the carts, you were in the kitchen flipping burgers and you know, serving during the lunch rush, which I personally enjoyed. Every, a lot of the other girls didn't care for. That sounds like me. Moving. I was the one who did not care for that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm always like, oh, I'll, I'll take the shift. It's fine. But And then, you know, moving into corporate America, you don't have time for that anymore. But my free time was spent like practicing my knife skills, learning new techniques. I really like to learn how to make things from scratch. So if, for example, like making bread, like, yeah, I could go buy it, but there's an art to making bread and one, it's healthier for you. And you just get so much satisfaction out of creating something that isn't the easiest thing to make sometimes. Were you a private chef for a while or how did that blossom out of everything? During the pandemic, I would be working these long hours. And by the time I was on working, it's like, okay, I would cook a new dish or something. And I was like on Instagram one day and I saw there was a private chef. He was looking for some help. He was looking for an assistant that could help him out with some private dinners that he was hosting. So I had reached out to him. I ended up quitting my corporate job to work for him full time. We would be hired to cook for families in their homes for maybe like the whole week of Thanksgiving because she was about to have a baby and, you know, they don't want wow. to have to think about feeding anybody. We would just feed them or stock up their fridge for them. A lot of people, you know, they want to go out to dinner with the whole family, but it's hard to find a private room. So how nice is it to have a chef come into your house, cook for you, clean for you. They get to use your china that you never get to use. And we wash and leave your kitchen probably cleaner than it was when we got there. So it's a major perk. And it's really fun because everyone's just so appreciative. And you had said in our pre-interview, you had said something so interesting. And I started here. You said you were an F.A. on the ground. Is that something that you felt being a private chef? Yeah. So I, it didn't even cross my mind that I was until I had networked with another lady that's she's a CFA and she, she moved into a hiring role. And when she was introducing me, she was like, essentially, she was an FA on the ground. She has this background being an executive assistant. She's a chef. So basically, she did all that. She just wasn't flying. And I was like, you know what? I was like, that is true. That's exactly what I was doing. Yeah. Um, you have to shop for the catering because you don't know if this client's going to have cutting boards, what their knives are going to be like. Do they have enough mixing bowls or prep bowls to use? So you have to be prepared and bring all that stuff with you. Obviously, you can't bring two wagons full, but you're working in a small space because you don't want to just take up their whole kitchen all the time either. You have this great culinary background. You have this great EA, PA background, right? And take me through when you started training to be a CFA. So you decide, you say, oh my gosh, I saw this. This is for me. This is all my skills. How did training go? And after training, I know you found a job very quickly, which it usually takes around six months to a year, and you did it very fast. So if you could just talk about training a little bit and then how you got your first job. I did a lot of research. You know, there's a ton of training programs that you can go to. I specifically chose Sky Angels for their hospitality. Yes, I can cook. Yes, I know how to serve. But they focused very much so on the luxury hospitality side and teaching you how to create dishes and not have to rely on catering. And I wanted to have those skill sets. The other huge part of that was this built-in community of flight attendants that lift you up, that want to see you succeed. Nice. And so, you know, when you move into a new career like that, if I stayed as an EA, moved to a different company, sure, I have, you know, a hundred EA friends I could reach out to, but becoming a flight attendant, a lot of people don't know other flight attendants. A lot of people don't even know this job exists. 
So mm-hmm. they're always fascinated when they talk to you about it. So, you know, who am I supposed to go ask for for advice? And so that was a huge draw for me. And once, you know, I graduated from the program, you get to move into this private community. And some of the ladies that are based in Dallas had reached out to me. And I kind of took the approach of like, I was very big on networking and networking with intention, like going out of my way to meet people, take them out to coffee, like just get to know them. People can see the passion and drive in you. People can also tell if, if you're looking for a handout coming from a genuine place of wanting to help and wanting to, you know, to learn. I got a call like three weeks after I graduated and was like, Hey, are you ready for your first flight? And I was like, uh, uh yes. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was great. I had all my goals that I had set for myself and it was only in March. <laughs> That's amazing. And your first flight, what was that like? Was it on, I don't know, Falcon or Gulfstream? I'm just curious if you remember. Yeah, it was on a Challenger 604. Oh, nice. And how did that go for you? So that was the flight that I had to, uh, it was 36 minutes. And <gasps> no, and it was, yeah, it was my very first flight. And oh they were God. like, there's nine passengers. Actually, the pilot at first said I could do a buffet service. I had set my plan to do buffet service. And then last minute, as I was prepping the plane, he was like, actually, he's like, he's going to want plated service. I was like, uh, shit. Okay. Um, so then I started pouring out all the salsas in the ramekins. Press and seal is like your best friend. Everything just, you have to have it all set up. I had all the breakfast tacos individually wrapped in the oven, warming up cheese on the top tray, no cheese on the bottom tray, everything set to where the second we were at altitude, I could just start plating and serving. Okay, so I just want to set the stage a little bit on this one. You had a 36-minute flight with nine passengers. Is that correct? Correct. That is crazy. And they were expecting this breakfast. And also, you were cooking for them. So I want people to understand that as well. It wasn't She wasn't just heating up some burritos. You had everything individually and were cooking for them. Is that correct as well? Yeah. So, I mean, I was cooking the breakfast. I was like on the plane first and then I packaged them up before they got there because there's okay, no way to physically yeah, yeah. cook in 36 minutes. Because really, it's yeah, like yeah. 25, 20 minutes in flight. I was going to say, take yeah. off and land it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everything I do, I try to make it from scratch if I can. A Caesar salad in a box wow. lunch gets really old, but a Caesar salad made from scratch with fresh dressing croutons that you baked yourself, it can make a world of a difference. If that sets me apart from someone that wants to go the easy route of just ordering catered box salads. Most people are going to say, no, I don't want to eat that. But you describe it to them like, oh, I made this, you know, fresh collaborated chili, Caesar salad dressing, and these zesty croutons. People are like, oh, yeah, like, I'll, I'll try that. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is like the best Caesar I've ever had. That's not always the case. Some people are just very particular. They like their, their restaurant food and they want that food every time they fly. So you still make it happen, but you find other ways to make it a little bit more elevated. That's perfect. Yes. And also, from what I'm understanding in the industry, I keep hearing this more and more, that they are looking for corporate flight attendants who cook. They're going away from the catering, from just, hey, ordering the Caesar salad or whatever, and they're going more into, do you have a culinary background? And this is interesting because they even want this on a jet without any sort of stovetop or anything like that. They want it on what you said, a Challenger 604, a G650. And they want you to know how to prepare everything ahead of time. So could you take us through that a little bit of, first of all, what's a common meal you would make? It can be anything, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and how you prepare that and have that strategy ahead of time. 
you know, I do a lot of breakfast like made to order. If we're having an early morning takeoff, you know, everyone's kind of still sleeping. Those who, you know, slowly wake up on their own. I have a hot plate that I bring on board so mm. I can make fresh eggs. You can also YouTube how to make poached eggs in the microwave. I've done that too. But sometimes there's not even a microwave. So yeah, a lot of it is prepping ahead of time, having everything labeled in deli containers as small packaging as possible. Always making sure you at least have enough food for an extra person because you never know if they decide to add on a person or maybe they said nine people were showing up and only three people are showing up. I'm like, well, you know, the pilots are going to be eating really well today. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have to loosen their belts. I just want to say something about the hot plate. I think that's really cool that you cook with a hot plate. Just make sure you guys, if you decide to do this, you have to ask the pilots and make sure that the electricity is not going to blow up the planes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been told before there was a flight attendant before me on this flight who she decided to bring on the steamer and steam the linen napkins and it blew out like a fuse on there. And she didn't tell anybody. So they were like, what's happened? Like, why did that go out? And I was, yeah. I guess they saw her in the back doing that. I was like, I am so terrified of breaking anything. I always ask before. No, but I think that's a good rule of thumb. And I always say that everything on a jet, you break it, you buy it. I'm just exaggerating, but it's a million dollars. Everything is insane how much things cost. So yeah, definitely check ahead of time. So, okay, so you're prepping things, you're putting everything in small containers, you're maybe cooking ahead of time if you have to. Run me through, let's say you have 14 passengers, you have two hours, you have to do a couple of courses, it can't be buffet style. How do you manage cooking, making sure the food is still hot by the time it goes into cabin, refilling drinks, serving drinks? How does that happen? You have to move fast. You got to be quick on your feet. You have to triage while (laughs) you're setting up the first course, you know, make sure the second one's starting to be heated up during your prep time. Are you cutting everything and washing everything ahead of time that isn't going to, you know, ruin the quality of the food? Every time you go and put down a plate on your way back to the galley, is there a cup empty? You grab at the same time. Like never are your hands supposed to be empty. That way you're just constantly moving. Your first flight being 36 minutes, I was like, I can do anything in 36 minutes at this point. So two hours is not going to scare me if you want a three-course meal. And it's really funny. You're the same as me because my first trip was out of control. It was just out of hand. I've talked about it many times and it was just out of hand for many reasons. And I like being thrown in the deep ends because I feel the same way. Once you survive it, you say, I can just, I can do anything. This is okay. And even if you have a few bumps along the way, you learn. It's okay. Shit happens. You know, no one's perfect. Everyone's going to mess up at some point. It's a matter of, did you learn from that lesson? There was a trip the other week. I didn't fly on it. They'll have me come and prep the plane. And it was 4.30 in the morning, actually probably at 3.30 in the morning. And by the time I got home, it like clicked in my house like, oh my gosh, did I forget to put ice in the ice floor? <laughs> because normally the maintenance guy does it for me. Ever since I was like, I will never, ever forget that. Ever. That's the first thing that's on my checklist now is check the ice drawer. You know, if your first flight was a couple hours long, one passenger, you would kind of set this tone that you're like, oh yeah, I have all this time in the world. But if you get thrown the deep end, then you're like, oh, I can absolutely handle anything. 
Yeah, absolutely. So don't be scared if you get a crazy first trip because you can handle it no problem, I promise. Especially listening to this podcast, you guys will be prepared. You'll be fine. So I admire that you still have a job on the ground in between your full-time FA job. Why is this so important to you? Because I say this all the time on this podcast and you're full-time. So that's interesting. But I say to the contractors, always have that side hustle or that part-time hustle whatever. Why do you do it? I don't sit still very well. (laughs) I always have to be doing something. But I just think it's always important to have multiple streams of income and, you know, keep yourself busy, keep yourself always learning how can you improve here and there, because those all translate somewhere. You might not be flying, but you could be helping out a plane who doesn't necessarily have a flight attendant. The pilots are the ones are going to have to check the expiration dates on all the sodas and the snacks. They don't want to do that after they've been flying. So How do you come from a place of service, of helping people out and not just being like, oh, I'm looking for a job. And so that to me is, it's twofold. It's networking also, and I'm making money on the side from it. Perfect. And do you think for aspiring corporate flight attendants listening or even newer ones that it's a good idea to take a culinary class to boost your resume, to say, I can cook on board? Do you think that's something people should do? Yeah, absolutely. I, I see it all the time when people see my resume, they're like, oh, you know, blah, 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 same, same old, same old that they see on most resumes, but they're like, oh, like you're also a chef. Like, tell me about that. I'm like, oh, like I cook in people's homes. So that's essentially like cooking on a new plane that I'm not familiar with being prepared, having all my tools with me that I need. I know it's a intimidating for a lot of people, especially if, you know, if you don't really care to cook. Yeah. You're not necessarily going to want to go out of your way to take a cooking class, but if it, helps you become a little bit more confident. Now you know that if catering messes up, you're able to create something from scratch or from the grocery store that could be equally as lovely as whatever from a a nice restaurant. It's only a plus, guys. It's only a plus. And maybe Javi one day, she'll start her own CFA cooking class and we can all take it and learn. That would be cool. Yeah, you know, it's uh, there's something in the works, me and another flight Mm. attendant. She's also a, a chef and her and I uh, we'll do some events sometimes, but you know, we're thinking like maybe a cookbook or something that's in showing you like, hey, you could use these tools or these tools if this is what you have. Okay, good. Because if you do anything online and you do knife skills and all that, I would take that 100%. That'd be really oh, cool. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I would take, I need all of that desperately. Sometimes I look back in my CFA days and I'm like, wow, I really got through with my personality because... <laughs> I did not have certain skills that now the people coming up like you do. And I think that's amazing. So that's pretty awesome. And I just want to ask, where can we find you? Can we find you anywhere on social media? Can we follow your journey? Uh, Yeah. So if you can find me on Instagram, my handle is just my name, Javi Lamb. That is so easy to remember. And I'm going to put all of this in the show notes. And I just have one last little surprise question for you, which is very easy. And that is, do you have any last parting words of advice for either new or aspiring corporate flight attendants? With this job, you have to take everything with a lot of gratitude. Um, You don't Mm. know when this is going to be your last flight. You don't know if this is going to be the last time you're going to be on this plane. They could sell the plane tomorrow. They could start flying less. So I think coming from a place of gratitude and just always giving 100% will take you very far. And people can see that. People can see if you have it in your heart to want to serve them or if you're just there because you want the clout of saying that you're on a private jet. I'm not a very starstruck person. So usually when there's someone, I'm like, I don't know who that is. I, I don't really care. My job is to make sure that they're happy, comfortable and safe. 
Amazing. I love that. All the advice is such sage wisdom. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I follow you on Instagram. I follow your journey, which has been so beautiful and wonderful to watch. And I'm going to keep doing so. And I'm crossing my fingers that you're going to have some type of online class for knife skills or, or simple cooks, uh, something that, you know, I need to learn to cook. That would be really fun. Until next time. Happy flying. Thanks, Javi. Thank you.